Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Criminology Academy podcast, where we are criminally academic. My name is Jen Tosley. And I'm Jose Sanchez. And today we are recording episode 86. It's just me and Jose for today's episode after a good week at the American Society of Criminology annual meeting. And we are going to be talking about the the campus interview for the job talk trying to think of the correct word there. Um, so on episode 50, we had on Sadaf Hashimi, Thaddeus Johnson, and Alondra Garza to talk with us about their job market experience, their academic job, job market experience. And so today, Jose and I, after both of us have officially completed campus interviews, we are going to be sharing our experiences and hopefully some helpful advice about the process. Yeah, absolutely. So we had originally planned to record this at ASC, but anyone that's ever been to ASC knows what a whirlwind and how hectic it is. And yeah, it didn't happen. So it's happening now. <laughs> First day um, back. Yep. And yeah, we, like we talked about the job market in episode 50, and then um, we somewhat talked about it a little bit. Um in episode 82 with Elana Friedman and Amber Krusha. So the, that wasn't the primary focus of that episode. We did talk about it a little bit. And it was actually in that episode that we mentioned, we should probably actually talk about what happens during the campus visits. Because I think there's still, like we never actually got into it. So this is going to be our attempt at demystifying those a little bit. Yeah, and Jose, you have some some uh, info to share, right? Some updates. Yeah, so we had wanted to wait and record this um, until I had wrapped up the job market. Um, thankfully, I managed to wrap it up fairly quickly, uh, and I accepted a position at Texas Christian University as an assistant professor in the Department of Criminology and Criminal Justice. So I will be starting there in the fall. And he already has a hat on for those of you who are listening. He's got his TCU (laughs) hat on all ready to go. So congratulations again, Jose. That's great news. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, we've already done some shots and celebration (laughs) during ASC. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Um, but yeah, now I won't, now I'll be an assistant professor, just like Jen. And so with that, I think we'll come a few changes to the podcast, but nothing, nothing too drastic. No, nothing too crazy. This will be toward the end of our grad life episodes though. This will be one of the last ones we might have one more to go after this, but At that point, we'll be switching toward more of the tenure track timeline and what life is like on tenure track, since that is where we will both be. So, yep. So, so yeah, so this series is kind of more of a trajectory for both Jen and I, and it'll change and evolve with us. Sorry. My cat is having a total meltdown right now. Um, we put up the Christmas tree last night and things are 
not going smoothly with it. But anyway, um, all right. So should we start with just, you know, we've, as Jose and I have both mentioned, we've had some episodes discussing the job market before. For those of you who aren't interested in um, academics, we also have a alternative academic industry type job market episode as well, which is great. So if you are more interested in that, go check that out. But let's jump into kind of the typical timeline when it comes to um, the academic job market. Okay. And just real quick, the um, alternative industry job episode is episode 54. So um, okay, so let's start with the timeline. So you usually start applying, at least for us, jobs usually start popping up sometime in between late July all the way through November. September is September, I think, is when you get like the bulk of them. But yeah, yeah. you still get it's like it really seems like it comes in two waves where like wave one is where you get most of like your r1s and r2s and then wave two will be more like your liberal arts teaching schools um that start posting later in the year and early next um, early in the next year uh so it's like so like jen and i we both started prepping and submitting job applications well we started prepping well before august um and then we <laughs> are early in August. <laughs> um and and then we started submitting. Um oh, I think my first submission was my first round of submissions was September first. That's when like my first like ten applications were due. And yours were a little bit earlier than mine. I think mine were more around the timeline of September 15th, like mid-September for my first round. Um, but yeah, you can expect kind of the first round of application deadlines to be in that early to mid-September window. Some, and then some all the way through, you know, November, um, early November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my second wave was, September 15th and then after that I just had like the odd ones that were like not within like those periods but like I think the bulk of my applications were in those two periods yeah yeah so uh get your application materials in you know early ish um I think Jose and I both tried to shoot for about two weeks before like the official deadline right two weeks for you too yeah and the uh, keyword is try yeah I, but I, I know there were a couple where I was like oh what happened to my two weeks yeah a hundred percent but in many cases I haven't been on a review committee but I've been told by other people that Search committees often start reading materials like when they arrive, um, like two to four weeks early. But of course, they will be reviewing materials all the way through the deadline. And um, I would also ask your advisor on what what they think. Uh, it's like you know, different departments will do it a little differently, and like 
my advisor told me to shoot for about two weeks, but I know other people's advisors, uh, and they weren't going crim, they were going slow, um, that they should get them in as early as possible. So yeah. uh, so the advice will vary a little bit, but I think two weeks is, is a, like a good rule of thumb. Yeah, and then after that point, you have, you know, at least for me, the bulk of my really Zoom, primarily Zoom interviews um, occurred in October um, with a couple in November. Um, but these are really like you've made kind of like the long list. Um, and so from here, they're trying to narrow down the process um, moving forward to the campus interviews. So they'll have their long list doing a bunch of different Zoom interviews where you get asked um, a variety of questions. So that way they can help narrow down their search. And then shortly after that, about three to four people are typically invited out to do a campus interview. Yep. And, and I mean, and there's some questions that were pretty much standard across everybody. The big one is why do you want to work here? Mm -hmm. um, and then, and in some places we'll send you the questions ahead of time, which is nice. Others won't. Um, I never but, had that, so I was jealous when you were getting uh, questions beforehand. I only got it twice, um, and it was nice, although at that point I had already done a few, and honestly, once you do one or two, you kind of start finding a rhythm, because the questions really won't vary all that much. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll throw in something specific about their department, but for the most part, the questions uh, remain fairly consistent. Um, you know, why do you want to work here? Tell us about your research. Um, if like the application calls for being able to get grants as a part of tenure, they'll ask you what your plans for for that is. But uh, what's your teaching yeah, experience? Where are you at in your dissertation? For those of people who are ABD. Oh yeah, that one came up pretty much every time across the board. Like, where are you with your dissertation? Uh, yeah, what teaching experience? Um, and it usually was also with combined with um, what classes can you teach here and what classes can you develop that aren't already on our courses, our course list. Um, I got that pretty much everywhere. And it's good to kind of orient your answers to these questions based off of the job posting. So if mm -hmm. in my case, they were looking for someone in corrections, you know, I went to been talking about my research on gangs, except when it comes to prison gangs. So I tried to kind of tailor it um, to the selected specialization that I fit within. Yeah, the one where it gets kind of hairy is the, the one that's open specialty. Because at that point, you just straight up don't know what's going to resonate want. with them. Yeah, so, uh, so, so in some ways, the more restricted ones are, are kind of nice because you kind of know what they're looking for yeah the open ones is like here's what i do i hope you <laughs> like it <laughs> yeah um, and those typically last at least for me they were pretty much all of them were 20 to 30 minutes i did have one that was 45 to 50 minutes but that was definitely not the norm that was an exception um Jose, you had a longer one too, didn't you? 
Let's see. I had mine generally lasted about the same time. And then I got invited to do one that was an hour. And that's yeah, that's very long. You yeah. usually don't see them get that long. It's yeah. usually 20 to 30. And um, you also want to keep track of time while you're doing these because they usually will schedule them back to back to back to back to back. So you really don't have a lot of wiggle room to go over time. Um, so, so that was something that I had to uh, kind of adapt to quickly was just making sure that I was on time with all my responses. Yeah. And one kind of last thing I have to say about the zoom interview and then if, unless you have something else, we'll move into campus interviews, but um, you want to make sure that you have, questions to ask them as well Ooh, yes um which for i know a lot of people who have done these now and everyone kind of has different questions that they're really interested in asking um just based off of the, the application the location of the job um the university the school whatever it may be but you might not have time for questions but it's better to be prepared with questions than not have any and then them allow you time to ask those questions. So be prepared with some things that you're interested in knowing about the job or the city or whatever it may be. Um, so that way you're not stumbling at the end trying to come up with things on the spot. Yeah, that's good. I, I always get the list of five and I had them rank ordered mm -hmm. from most important to least important because I usually never have time for more than two. Uh, and then it, the order will kind of change a little bit depending on, on the job. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah. And then after that, usually, at least from, from my experience, usually they'll tell you kind of what the timeline is going to be. And like kind of when to expect to hear back from them when, uh, if you are going to get extended an invitation to fly out. Um, not everyone did that, which was also kind of uh, a little frustrating because then you just have no clue what's happening. Um, In that case, I always either tried to include that as one of my questions, or if I didn't have time, I followed up with the search chair with just an email of like, basically you know in better wording what's the timeline for this um or what do you see the timeline being like um because yeah otherwise you're just like stuck wondering and you have no idea yeah i think the one way that i did it once was kind of uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to um, have the initial interview it was great to meet it, meeting everybody and speaking to everybody um, when can I expect um, to hear back or what does a timeline moving forward look like? Um, so, you know, just keep it brief, but courteous and professional. Oh, and then the last thing, and then we can move on. Um, this kind of maybe should go without saying, but these are still interviews, even though they're over Zoom. So still look the part. Uh, don't show up in your jammies. Um, no, I definitely <laughs> don't see <do> that. <laughs> Um, so, um, but anyway, so fast forward, what, like a week or two, maybe is usually the, the timeline. Mine vary. Um, 
Some were like a day. Others were two to three weeks. Yeah, I think the fastest turnaround I had was 48 hours. And then the slowest turnaround, I think, was like three weeks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it can vary a little bit, but you know, you'll get you'll get that email from the search uh, the search chair saying, "We love meeting you. We love talking to you. We want to extend um, an invitation to visit our campus." Here's they'll usually CC the front office person that will handle the logistics, um, and then you start trying to get something on the books to to fly out. Um, and this will look uh, a little different for every place also. Uh, most of the places that I went to um, kind of covered everything. Um, one place I had to put pay for everything up front and they were gonna reimburse me. Um, so that's usually included as part of the long email that you're gonna get, um, but it's also good to know in case that it's not. No, I'm trying to remember this was a year ago. I think one of the places that I went to, I did have to pay for a part of it up front. Um, and then I was reimbursed, but I never had to pay for everything up front. Although I have heard of that happening. Um, yeah, I guess I should correct that. It was, I had to book my own flight. I didn't have to book my own hotel. But, you know, yeah, I agree with Jose that that is good to know, especially for those of you who are still grad students um, trying to pay for these kinds of things up front can be challenging. And so just being aware that that could be a possibility um, and be prepared for it if it is the case. So, yeah. And then um, after you kind of start getting the ball rolling with your schedule, uh, they will typically send you an itinerary of what your day to days will look like there. Um, they're very structured types of itineraries, at least mine were, where it was like every 10 minutes roughly was scheduled, um, 10 to 30 minutes was scheduled throughout the day. And I knew who I was going to be meeting with, where I was going to be, where I was going to be eating, when I would have downtime. Um, and most of the time, these uh, include things like your job talk, which we can talk about in more depth, but those are traditionally 30 to 45 minutes plus a Q&A after your job talk is finished, which could be 15 minutes to 30 minutes of Q&A time. One-on-one um, -on -one meetings with most or all of the department or school faculty members, roughly about 30 minutes each, meeting with the grad students, um, meeting with the dean and or provost, 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 I don't even provost. know how to say word. provost, yes, thank you. <laughs> ASC took it out of me. Um, meals with faculty members, um, which these do typically feel pretty informal, but it is still part of the interview, so make sure you're treating it that way. You know, they're kind mm -hmm. of trying to suss out how you would be as a colleague, more or less. So, yeah, make sure you're still treating those like a formal interview. And then I know for some people, if teaching is more important to the university, um, 
it could be like a teaching demonstration for undergraduates, which I did not have to do, but Jose did two two both places you went, right? Yeah, I did two of them and they both were very different. Um so let's kind of should we go in order? I just kind of wanted to lay out like sure. uh, unless I'm missing something. Am I missing anything? Uh no, I think you I think you covered it all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think the other thing too is there's no two schools will schedule things the same. Like for yeah. Um, for one school, I had my teaching presentation early in the morning on day one, and then my research presentation early in the morning in day two. For the other school. I had both my teaching and research presentations in the same day, just many hours apart. Uh, so I had my teaching presentation at like 10 in the morning and then my research presentation at like 3.30 in the afternoon, uh, which uh, presented a bit of a challenge because after a, a basically a full day of having a teaching presentation, one-on-ones, lunch with grad students, um, I was getting pretty tired by the time we got to my research presentation. So I just had to kind of power. really, yeah, really just power through it um, and deliver the best presentation that I could. And you don't generally get your itinerary until just a few days before you go. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so yeah, so you just prepare for anything really like, who knows how things are going to get scheduled. Yeah, I think both of my job talks were in the morning on like the first full day or only full or I guess I did three job talks. Uh, one of them, I did a job talk over Zoom and then went to the university in person at a later date. But but yeah, they're kind of all different. And I guess one thing I forgot to mention, at least for me, every single time I always got like a tour of the area too. Like one of the faculty members would drive me around the area to kind of give me a tour of campus and also the city. And then I also sometimes met with like a director of the corrections department in the state or other people like that, that would be relevant to my time there as a faculty member. <laughs> Do you want to start with like just the arrival? Sure. Like, so a, probably wear like nice clothes <laughs> when you're on an airplane. I know a lot of people like to wear, you know, sweatpants and like chill clothes, but it's very likely uh, are going. So for this, it kind of depends too, I think. Because so for like one of my interviews, I knew that I was getting picked up by one of the faculty members. And so, yes, I drew, I wore um, something like business casual. For another one, I basically had to find my own way to the hotel. And so for that, I basically wore just comfortable travel clothes that I would normally wear, um, knowing then that I would have to change before the dinner. So before I went, because um, usually the, the day that you arrive, you go to dinner with some of the faculty members. And so I, um, and so for, for that dinner, I did take an extra change of clothes just so I could have something um, presentable to wear 
um, for dinner, but for the airplane ride and the, the trip to my hotel, I, I wasn't too lucky. I wasn't sweats and a hoodie, uh, but only because I knew that no one was going to pick me up and I, I had to kind of find my own way. Uh, well, not really find my own way. Like the hotel had a, a shuttle service, but um, but no, no one in the department was going to pick me up and, and see me. Okay. Um, and I was, for all of mine, I was picked up by a faculty member. So I dressed nicely. Yeah, business casual-esque for all of the plane rides. Um, and then, yeah, when I think I traditionally did like my tour right after getting picked up at all of these places. Um, so we would drive around. And then dinner, as Jose mentioned, which again, remember that this is still part of the interview. So it's important to still be on your best behavior um, during yeah. that. Well, I will say both dinners can be tough uh, because for one, you, you've been traveling for at least a few hours. Um, and then I didn't do my campus tours when I got picked up. Um, so that was different. And from what I experienced uh, and Jen, um, but so you're, you're still pretty tired from traveling. And then, um, so I got to my hotel for one, like around one thirty in the afternoon and my dinner was at five thirty, And so then I had four hours in between that. I basically just used to start prepping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time dinner rolled around, I was actually, already pretty tired the, the people i was with were also pretty calm, uh, mindful of the fact that it had already been a pretty long day for me and i kind of figured i was probably already getting a little tired and then so then the next day um it, it was a little different a little until dinner again when i was again pretty tired <laughs> yeah um <laughs> these are long days for those of you doing full full day long or multiple day long uh, campus visits. They're long. They're exhausting. You don't get a lot of time to yourself. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. your schedule doesn't even really allow room for like a bathroom break. Um, But remember, you can just go to the bathroom. Um, Bring snacks (laughs) with you just in case water and be prepared. Um, You just never know what is going to be provided to you. Um, and also I found it helpful to remember that like every single person I was talking to had gone through this process at least once. So they know that these are long, strenuous days where you have to be on point all the time. Um, and yeah, as Jose has mentioned, it's exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually have one of my itineraries pulled up so I can like quickly walk through what it looked like. Okay, good. I just closed so the, mine. So, so yeah. this was like the the first day I, I got picked up at 8.15 in the morning, gave my teaching presentation at 9 a.m. So I went from 9 to 9.50. Um, 10 a.m. had my first interview, 10.30, another interview, 11 a.m., another interview, 11.30. Finally, at 12, I had lunch with a faculty member. Um they did give me um i was supposed to have a break at 1 p.m but it kind of just blended in with my lunch yeah um 
then at 1 30 back with the interviews and so i was interview interviewing until 3 30 in the afternoon when i was taken back to my hotel then picked up at 6 p.m to go to dinner then the next day i got picked up at my hotel at 8 45 9 30 gave my research talk did more one-on-ones uh from 10 30 all the way until 1 p.m. when is when I had my campus tour. Um, and then at 2, I left to the airport. So you're basically doing something without much time in between. And those one-on-ones just, you're just getting shuttled around from office to office mm-hmm. um, every 30 minutes. Um, Literally, yeah. And so it's good to like prep things to talk to everyone about. Um, Jose, I don't know how you did this, but I literally printed off Word documents with everyone's pictures, their research interests, and like something, like a question that I could ask them in case the conversation was like running out. You know, 30 minutes goes But also at the same time, it can be really long, especially if you're tired and you, you know, toward the end of your day, if you've already done 10 one-on-ones, like it can be a lot. Yeah. And then I I think what ends up happening too is you kind of get asked some of the same questions Mm -hmm. by everyone. And so you kind of start getting tired of answering the same question over and over again. Uh, But, you know, you you still got to do it. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't print out Word docs, but I used index cards um, to kind of take quick notes on on everyone and or the research interests and even like the name of um, of something that they might that they wrote that I may have read, um, just as a conversation piece. Uh, and then the other thing too to remember is they're interviewing you for a job but you're also kind of interviewing them to see if this is going to be a good fit for you. And so um, don't be afraid to ask them questions. And honestly, if you can get them to start answering some questions, you can use some of that as like time to, to rest up a little bit. Take us, take a, even if it's like five minutes, like that's just like a quick five minute break that you can take, drink some water. But, but yeah, you also really want to get a good sense of the faculty um, in the department and whether it's, these are people that you actually see yourself working with. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the questions that I, you know, prepped for these types of meetings were things like, you know, as an assistant professor, what kind of support do you get? What level of service is required and what type of service? Um, It may be that you really enjoy doing the professional service elements, um, but not so much community service or whatever else it may be. And so to see if, you know, what you like to do lines up. Um, I am interested in correction. So correctional agency relationships were important to me. So I asked how relationships with criminal justice agencies are um, between other faculty what does curriculum development look like in the number of courses typically prepped by assistant professors? 
Do you get research or teaching assistantships? If so, how do you get them? Are you just assigned one? Do you have to have the money to pay for them, um, et cetera? How does mentoring work in the department as far as like, do you as a faculty member get a mentor as well as like you are mentoring students, whether at the undergrad level or the graduate level, how to start up money work, um, how collaborative are faculty members, how do you see me fitting into the department? That was one of my favorite questions to ask people. Um, so yeah, those were just some of the things that I prepped for like the the instructor or the faculty member one-on-one meetings. Yeah, something similar that I asked to what you just mentioned was, um, what are you looking for in a colleague? Um, then the other, uh, the a piece of advice that I got that actually I think ended up um, being pretty valuable is to kind of find the techie person in the department and ask them about computer stuff. Like, does like do you have to use your startup money to buy a computer? Will one be provided to you? Um, what kind of software does the school have? Um, and so if you find like the techie person, like they'll they'll be in the know. Like, do they have servers? What does that? Uh, what does like tech money look like? Um, and so that actually uh, um, ended up being pretty valuable for me because uh, I was able to find like the the person that was um, like the most technologically savvy within the departments that that would kind of just give me all the inside info. And so that was nice to know, like. Okay, so like I, if I need to like move secure data over from CU over to this new school, like they have the infrastructure to support it. I won't have to pay for like a server to be set up for me. Um, uh, like they'll actually, Questions. like they'll actually give me the, a computer with the software that I need as opposed to me having to use my own money um, to get all that stuff. So those are good questions to, to ask as well. Oh, and for anyone anyone that is interested or thinking they are going to be becoming a parent on the tenure track or if you already are um if you know depending on your level of comfort if you know that someone has i mean i don't remember all of the guidelines here you can't really ask a lot about family relationships those are you know the more illegal quote unquote type questions, but you can ask, you know, how does maternity or paternity leave work? Are there those opportunities? Um, Just to kind of get a sense, because, you know, most people tend to say that, you know, there's no right time to start a family when you're in this world. So just getting a sense of how the department treats those circumstances is a really good thing to know if you are thinking or planning on entering into that stage of life um, during your time at the department? You can ask. Um, and I know for some of some of the people that I was interviewing, they kind of off- offered this information. Um, like where do the, like the faculty live? Like what are some of the areas that, because chances are you may not be familiar with the, with the area that the school is in. So, um, you know, what places offer you like the best 
blend of whatever it is that you're looking for. So like education, housing costs, all that, um, all that stuff. So that that's good to um, ask as well. The one interview that um, is definitely different than all the rest the is the one, one with, yeah, the one with the Dean. That one, uh, the two that I did, they were both a little, uh, I don't know, they were a little odd. I, I, and I think it's because you're not talking to a faculty member, you're talking to the Dean. And um, and so both times, both deans kind of really had me talk to them about myself a lot. Um, yeah, me too. And and the work that I was like, they actually had. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it was nice because you could tell that they had actually read all of my materials because they were asking me um, specifics about things that I had written, um, yeah. and so that so that was nice. Um, but it was also a little unnerving. Uh, and then when it's your turn to start asking questions, uh, that that can also be a little unnerving too, I think. Um, and so I mainly stuck with, you know, with, like their vision for the department, support with grants, how does tenure work at the at the college level? Yeah, um, I agree with Jose here that these meetings were definitely different. And I actually hadn't even thought of like a meeting with the dean until I got my first itinerary. Um, I know it had been mentioned to me before, you know, by my mentor um, or advisor. I just like completely forgot that it existed. And so I wasn't prepared for this and had to quickly scramble for types of things that you could ask. Um, So, yeah, very similar things to what Jose mentioned. I really tried to dig in on what their perspectives of the strengths and weaknesses of the department um, that I was, you know, interviewing at and related, like, how would you pair those strengths and weaknesses with broader trends in criminology or broader trends in academia? Like, are they different? Are they similar? What do you think is happening um, here? What is the future of the department and your perspective um do you support the department like what does that look like not just like do you support them but how do you support them um because pretty much everyone is going to say yes right so like yeah. what are, what are the objective things that you have done to support the department and then yeah I asked you know obviously tenure how does that look? And then how do grants work? So I asked most people about indirect costs, um, who facilitates like the submission of the grant. Cause in some places that is you, the person submitting other places, they have individuals who will submit them for you. Um, same with budgets. Sometimes you might be the one responsible for putting budgets together. Other times someone at the college level, for example, might put together the budget for you. So just kind of asking some of those uh, details that I was curious about and just learning more about. But yeah, I would say for most of the meetings, it was a lot about me talking about myself and answering questions or adding clarification to things that they had questions about. Two of them were a lot better than one of the, these meetings for me um, in the sense that 
one of them felt very awkward and like I was just getting questioned on pretty much everything on my record and it felt very awkward. The other two were much more supportive and just really curious about the research that I do and wanting to know more. Um, So you might run into both of those experiences or something different, but just be prepared to answer questions about yourself and also ask questions to the individual as well. Yeah, thankfully, I I, I didn't run into the interrogation. For me, it was more of a conversational questions. Yeah, I got asked why I hadn't taught a PhD class before in this meeting. And as someone who was ABD, that felt like a very odd question to be getting asked. Um, So trying to come up with an answer to that on the spot. Just like those kinds of things. Yeah, that felt very in like an interrogation. I don't think it was meant to be, but. Yeah, it just was very strange. So, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing, too, that I did was when I finally, because at some point you'll meet with the department chair, mm-hmm. um, I would ask questions about the dean. Like, how does the dean support the department? Yeah. And, you know, that kind of helps confirm a little bit um, how good the relationship is between the department and the dean. Because I, I can tell you a lot too of so where the department stands and where they might be headed. Yeah, for sure. And I think the last meeting is the meeting with the grad students. If you're at a place that has graduate students, um, whether that's, you know, master's students or PhDs um, or both. Um, and so these traditionally, you know, they're not one-on-one meetings. They're you're meeting with the group of students. Um, for many of us in academia, if your department is hired, you've probably been on the grad student side of these meetings, so you know kind of what they look like. Um, I was really, you know, they asked me questions, um, and then I also got to ask questions. I was really curious about, you know, ways that grad students felt supported, um, what the department culture is like. What do you like and dislike about the department? Maybe what do you feel like you're missing in your curriculum or your professional training that you would like um, that you think that I could potentially provide? Um, And then just how collaborative faculty members are with students, whether that is from a teaching standpoint, a research standpoint, just kind of getting the vibe for the department from the perspective of a student. And these could sometimes feel a little odd because at the time I was also still a grad student. So it was like I was getting asked these questions while also feeling like I should be answering. I should be the one answering them, not being asked them. So yeah, it was, those ones were interesting for me, but they were good. All of those meetings were good for me. Yeah. I don't, mine uh, ended up being during lunch. I don't know if yours were, just was like a dedicated um, meeting. But yeah, I had mine during lunch. And um, yeah, I'm pretty, I pretty much had the, the same experience. Um, actually, at one point, the conversation started to just kind of get derailed into, I don't even remember what. So I, I kind of ended up bringing it back with, uh, I don't even remember what I what I asked them. Uh, I think it was what they 
would want from me uh, or what they would ex expect from from me if if i if i got there i mean it was nice to not have to talk solely about job stuff for a minute but um i did eventually want to start getting into some of that stuff because uh, at least from my experience as a student with job talks is they we do provide feedback um, and, the, and it gets presented to the faculty and so that can weigh into the decision so um, the last thing I wanted was for them to get asked how it went and they'd have like nothing of real substance to say about me so um, so I did so I did try to bring that back that conversation to like remember I am being interviewed for a job so like ask me questions mm -hmm. um, and but but yeah it, it, it went well that we talked about classes that they wish they had that that they didn't, that I could offer, um, men mention stuff that from like my areas of expertise that I could turn into classes that um, they thought could be interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the meeting with the students is probably the most laid back. And yeah, sure. yeah and I also think I didn't feel as like odd about it because I knew that I was like I had a lot of seniority over all of the students that I was like I feel like if I had one student that was closer to where I was it might have been a little different um but these were all like really like really early career students um, okay yeah and two so. of the places um I actually had students who were on the job market with me in the room <laughs> so the the I mean everything was always like very professional and cordial and you know no problems at all no like competitive vibe feelings or anything like that um yeah that's good but yeah it was because then you know they'd come up and be like you know do you have any advice or you know like what do you want to talk about <laughs> and you know afterward let's save the job talk for last. So let's, let's uh, have you talk about your teaching demonstration. Cause I'm curious about this. I haven't had to do one. I don't know anything about them. So what are they like? So I did two. They, it can be very, they can vary um, quite a bit. So for, so for the one, for one, I basically took over someone's class. So they just kind of treated me as a guest lecturer. Um, and they gave me quite a bit of leeway in what I could talk about. Um, they did tell me what the class was. So it was like a crim theory class. And so, um, and so it, it just kind of had to relate to the class a little bit, but um, and like they gave me what they were gonna, what they sh were supposed to be talking about that week. So I think they were gonna be covering like differential association. Mm -hmm. um, and so they gave me the option to give a lecture on differential association, but if I wanted to, it could be something, uh, something different. So I ended up doing something a little bit different, but still theory related. Um, for the second one that I did, they actually had like blocked off time for me to give the teaching so I wasn't I wasn't taking over a class um, they had prepped a, a lecture a lecture hall for me um, and they just recruited undergrads from the intro classes I have to come sit in and uh, and they uh, 
they actually get like gave feedback like as soon as I was done, like the they put up a QR code for them to to give feedback Oh, wow. on me. Um, Okay. and that one for that one they gave me absolutely free reign whatever I wanted to do, um, I could do that. It just they just like basically said whatever you think will um, help you shine the most as an instructor. Um, so the And so I had originally thought of using the same lecture for both places, but I ended up switching it up. Um, not a hundred percent sure why, Was that a good choice? but yeah, I think so. It, uh, I mean, thankfully I was able to, for both, I basically gave lectures that I had given before. Um, so I didn't actually have to do a whole ton of prep work. Well, actually, So for the first one, it was going to be absolute, like I was going to go fully on uh, one topic, realized that the way that I had taught that or that I had given the lecture before um, was like, I only spent like half the time on that topic before moving to a different one. And I didn't realize this until like the night before. So I was like, there's, there's, there's no way I'm going to be able to adjust this properly in time. So I just uh, ended up switching gears and going with something that I knew could fit the time slot um, and that I had, that I was confident in delivering. Um, Oh no. How long were these? so my first one was uh, actually they were both 50 minutes Okay. and then for, and then for one, for one, for one of the visits that I, that I was going to do, um, it was going to be for like two and a half hours. Which is And a very long time. Yeah, um, and I think it's because they're on the quarter system, <laughs> oh, okay. and so it's gonna so it's gonna be like two and a half hours, and I had really no choice or any say in what I was gonna present. Like I was basically like gonna take over somebody's class, and the lecture that they were supposed to give that day is what I was gonna have to do. But I had to prep it all on my own. Um, so, so those are like the three ways that. that they sort of showed up for me. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it Was was it definitely like, interesting. oh, sorry. Um, was it like your, you know, traditional class where you will get questions throughout um, or you could get questions throughout or was it set up more like, you know, a, a presentation like Jose is going to talk about or teach about this at the end, you can ask questions. No, so it's supposed to mimic a class, so they could have interrupted. No one did, but they were absolutely free to interrupt me and ask me a question um, whenever they wanted to. Um, so it's supposed to mimic a, the class as much as much as it can. Uh, you know, obviously they're aware that you're interviewing for a job. Um, or actually, I don't know if one of them even knew that I was actually interviewing for a job. I think they, they were just told I was the guest lecturer. Um, But either way, they they know that I'm not their instructor and that I'm not like the. So we didn't, you don't quite have that relationship. So I don't know if they just didn't feel comfortable asking interrupting questions. me, Yeah. or I was just crushing it and they didn't have any questions because, Could be. <laughs> No um, questions. Everything not was absolutely clear. no question. Cool. Um, so yeah, so those are the, the, the three ways that my teaching demos um, were going to go down. I only ended up doing two. Uh, instead of three. Um, Did you practice them beforehand?
yeah mostly for even though i delivered them before um i actually did make edits to them because at at your lectures are like an hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. i think and so i was only going to get 50 and so anything that i I kind of trimmed the fat off of them a little bit, and then I would run through them a few times just to get the timing down. Um, oh, the other thing it was, and this is also tied to the to the research presentation, is uh, make sure you know where you're gonna present or like what the what the setup is going to be. Because um, for one of my teaching demos, I put all my notes in the PowerPoint. And then it turned out that IT locked the two screens together, so I couldn't actually access presenter mode. Oh, no. Um, and so I basically had to deliver the lecture just on what I could remember. Uh, thankfully, I delivered this lecture before, and I run through it a few times, so it, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but if you're someone that really likes to, uh, and I also don't rely on the PowerPoint notes that much anyways, but if you're someone that really likes to use their PowerPoint notes, it, it, it'd be a good idea to fit, to learn if you can access presenter view or if you should print out your notes. Um, Cause that definitely caught me off guard. And it, I think it, I think it ended up messing with my timing a little bit. Like I was, okay. I, th- I think I ended up running like three to five minutes shorter than I had originally intended to. And I'm pretty sure it's because I missed a couple points that I had maybe noted down to, for me to remember to talk about. Um, so it did throw me off a little bit. Um, and then for for the other visit, the the computer screen and the projector were also locked for my teaching demo, uh, but not for my research demo or for my research talk. So, okay. so yeah, good to know, because it definitely threw me off a little bit. I was like, oh, shoot. All right, that's fine. Let's roll with it. Yeah, for sure. Do you have advice for people? who have to do a teaching demo? I would say just, I mean, honestly, I just went into it with the same mentality that I went in with every class. I tried to be as engaging as I could. I asked them questions. So like I, um, you know, I would normally do like a clicker um, if, at CU, but I knew that I wasn't going to have access to that during those. So instead I just went with like the old school raise your hand method. Um, and people seem to really like that, you know, like that I was actually not just don't treat it as a presentation. Actually treat it like a lecture uh, because people did seem to appreciate that I was actually trying to engage with the students um, and show them a little bit more of my personality as an instructor um, as opposed to just sort of presenting to them like in a dry academic type of fashion. So you, you, because you have to remember that these are undergrads that you're talking to. Right. Right. So even when I was presenting research, I would try to, um, present the information as simply as I could. So yeah, the, so don't treat it like a like a normal presentation because it's not gonna go well. Yeah. Well, I guess the last, I mean, the last thing, right? The job talk. Yeah, the actual job talk or research presentation. The like most important part, or at least what I was always told, the most important part of your campus visit, research presentation. For those people on the or who are ABD on the job market, most people are presenting like a slice of your dissertation. That's what I did. I did my first mm-hmm. empirical chapter. I know Jose also presented um, part of his dissertation, but these are typically, you know, I had one that I think I had a 
whole 50 minutes for my actual presentation. Um, another, and on the shorter end, I had one that was a 30 minute presentation. And so, you know, you have to be willing and ready to figure out what parts that you can take out or things to add um, based off of your interviews and how much time they're going to give you because you have to make sure to leave time for questions. Q&A, yeah. Which I know as a grad student, a lot of people hate the Q&A, but you have to leave time for that. Um, you can't try and filibuster your own presentation. <laughs> Jose and I always joked about doing that. Um, it won't look good and you need to leave, leave that time um, for people to ask you questions as they see fit. So um, I guess just like an overview of my presentation, you know, I had a slide laying out an overview for everyone. So I started off by talking about my research and teaching philosophies and interests. It was very short, um, but I just kind of wanted to give the, you know, the layout for who I was as a scholar and a teacher. And then I gave an overview of my dissertation. Um, my dissertation is a lot, combining a lot of different <laughs> areas. Um, and so before I just dug into one of the chapters, I wanted to kind of give a base overview of important concepts and what my three main objectives were. Then I dug into one of my dissertation chapters in more detail. So I started off with some background on it, prior research, um, the gap for the research question, the motivation for the research questions, the theoretical frameworks um, for them, my analytic strategy, my data, all of the normal things for a presentation, and then my results, um, which I had a lot. And in one of my presentations, I was able to include some of the more preliminary results. For my shorter presentation, I ended up throwing those to the back end. If people had questions, then I had the slides ready to go. Um, and then I finished up with just a summary of my findings and an implications section um, for the dissertation aspect. And then I rounded out my presentation with my future research um, objectives, which I had three that I really focused, like three core areas that I focused on. For my shorter presentation, I put them all on the slide, but then I really narrowed in on the one that I'm most excited about and the one that I thought hit kind of the, the application or the desire for what they were looking for the best. So I had 39 slides for my core presentation for the shorter one um, and then like 30 slides of back-end stuff. Um, so for if they had questions, I had everything ready to go that I would easily be able to pull things up to answer the questions. I had 30 slides all together. All together? Uh, all together? Yeah, that's all. I had 30 slides all together, including like title slides, transition slides, thank you, and title, and all that. Mine were going to be, so I did 40 minutes. So my one was 50 minutes um, all together. Um, so 40 minutes of presenting and 10 minutes for Q&A. Um, and like the, the school will, they'll tell you how long your presentation is going to be. Um, mm -hmm. 
sometimes they'll break it down to like talking time and Q and a sometimes they'll just give you like the, like the whole length. And then you kind of have to give yourself at least 10, 15 minutes for Q and a. Um, so one school told me I was going to talk for 40 to 10 for Q and a another one told me that I was going to talk for 50 minutes and do 20 minutes of Q and a, um, and then the other one told me that my job talk was basically going to be 30 minutes. Um, that one I ended up not, not giving, so I didn't have to adjust my PowerPoint for it. Uh, but I mean, I followed a pretty similar, similar layout, um, to what you did. Oh, and then I, one that I had, like I had gotten an invitation before, like, I'll, and this was well after I had already accepted my job offer. So I ended up declining it, but um, they actually gave me some guidance as how to wanted my job talk structured. And they actually wanted my teaching stuff to go at the very end. Okay. Um, so I guess that's also a thing. So just be on the look, just make sure you, you read that email carefully um, in case they do kind of tell you, um, they do kind of tell you where they want like some stuff to, to be put mm -hmm. at. So, cause usually I would talk about my research, like my me as a researcher and as an instructor at the beginning, like Jen did. Um, but this wanted me to do it at the end. So I would have just moved all that stuff to the end. I think, and then the one thing that I did for like future future research. So I kind of laid out the some of the other areas that um my presentation wasn't about, because you know, I was like, I just gave you an entire presentation on community violence. Uh, but here's a couple other things that I'm also interested in doing. And then some advice that I got was to actually include a slide uh, and just make it very brief with like, if I have preliminary results and some other projects that I'm working on to kind of just briefly talk about those. Um, and so I included some just like real early preliminary findings on on two studies that, that I'm working on. Um, and it's just to show, you know, like, I'm not just saying that I'm interested in these things. Like I've actually have things in the in the works that are looking at some of these things. So I did that. So I did that as well um, for mine. And but just be now, just be aware that you are opening yourself up to get asked questions about those because I definitely got asked questions about about those projects as well. You know, one important thing to remember with the job talk is that you are the expert on this stuff. Everyone always told me that, you know, you know your project better than anyone else. You know, you hear that when it comes to the dissertation defense, you hear it when it comes to the job market, and it is true. And you are at this school, this department, because they want to hire you. So most people aren't going to try and trick you. They're not going to try and ask you mm -hmm. questions that you're not going to be able to answer, like in a in a mean way. Um, yeah. It is also fine to say that you don't know the answer. Um, I did that for, I think, one of the questions that I was asked. Um, I did say, you know, I'm not positive on that, but here is what I do know that's tangentially related to the topic. Um, and that that was something that I was planning on looking at in my dissertation. 
because at the time of my job talk, I'd only like officially had written up my first empirical chapter that I was presenting on. Um, that ended up changing a little bit, you know, when you're continuously working on your dissertation. Um, so I did have these other objectives and I did present what they were. And so like Jose, I got questions on these other things as well. But yeah, I mean, you're the expert. It's natural to be nervous about the Q&A, but just remember you're going to know how to answer the questions. Make sure you know your data. If you are using quantitative or qualitative, it doesn't matter. Know your data, like the back mm -hmm. of your hand. Be ready because yeah. someone might throw you kind of what they think of as like a softball question. Like, you know, what does X look like in your data? And like, you should know that. Um, so just make sure you know your data really well. You know your methods really well. I was nervous. Um, I actually included some like complicated statistical equations in my slides. Um, so I like studied those, <laughs> like my life depended on it. So I knew exactly what every single symbol meant. Um, and I could explain it really well because I was very nervous. Someone was going to ask me questions about it. No one did. Um, but I was ready just in case. And, um, and then of course, practice it. If you can practice it in front of people, that's good too. Um, cause the, not only to get like the timing down and get your rhythm going, um, but what I found too, as I was sort of presenting my job talk, I, the more I, the more I practiced it, the more I could anticipate what questions might come up. Uh, cause I would, every time I gave it, I would catch something new that I either hadn't talked up, talked about, or I couldn't talk about because it would require like a whole nother discussion. And I just like, it was not essential to to what I was doing. So um, you kind of start being able to anticipate a little bit what questions are going to come up. Uh, and yeah, nothing would make me smile more than getting a question where I was like, ah, I know the answer to that. I absolutely know the answer to this. Um, I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, to Jose's point, practice this in front of people. Um, and not just like your friends that don't know anything about this world, like sit down in front of your advisor, other faculty members, try and do a practice presentation in front of these people. And hopefully they are going to ask you the hardest questions that you get. I was, was going to say, because that's the hardest cool. questions from my advisor and the other faculty that I presented this in front of hundred percent, like the hardest by far. But then I was more prepared. I'd thought through my presentation more. Um, I also completely changed my presentation from my initial practice to my final form of my job talk based on the feedback that I got based on mm -hmm. like, sure. Um, just design elements, you know, things that I was showing that maybe would just open a can of worms that wasn't necessary. So like, cut some of the things out that aren't important, add other elements in. Like, I don't think I had equations in my initial one. And then it was like suggested that, to include them. Um, but yeah, practice it. I probably practiced this thing like way more than I needed to, like 20 times. Jose, I think, saw it like 
I don't know, five times probably. <laughs> uh, he was probably tired of it. He could probably recite it to me still. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Practice it so that way you have it down. Um, and when you are there, have it in multiple formats. Email it to yourself. Have it on a flash drive. Have it mm. <laughs> on your computer. Um you know, all the different things, because what Jose was mentioning before that, you know, something could go wrong with technology. I think that happened to me every single place. Like one of them, I couldn't get my computer to connect to the projector. So I had to like use a flash drive. Another one um, I did over uh, Teams and my teams like completely like shut down um, in the middle of my presentation. And I didn't notice um, for a little bit because I never used Teams before. So that was embarrassing and I had to figure out how to deal with that real fast. Um, and then the last one, yeah, the, the screen was locked, so I couldn't access my notes. So I ended up pulling my own laptop out as well as like the computer there. Um, but by that point I'd gone through it so many times, I really didn't need any notes. Um, but I just wanted it to just make sure that I didn't screw up anything. Um, because I had a lot of numbers going on and I get flustered sometimes when I'm trying to say too many different numbers. So, but yeah, be prepared, have it, you know, have your notes printed off. I think that's a great point, Jose. I did not do that. And that probably would have been really helpful. Um, so yeah, just be prepared for like anything and everything to go wrong and you'll be good. Yeah. But also don't kill yourself over it. Like you, sometimes you just got to roll with it. So, like during one of my teaching demos, they actually mic'd me up because they were recording it for the faculty no. that couldn't be there. Um, and about twenty minutes into my demo, the mic's batteries died, and so um, I ended up just having to holler the entire thing. Um, and like, and so I'm like still on the clock, and one of the faculty members like runs up, and they're like fiddling with like the battery pack trying to see if they can like get it to work again and so i have like this person like right next to me just like yanking on like the microphone and i'm like still trying to deliver <laughs> my teaching demo yeah, well. uh, so and you know just you just gotta roll with it so i just yeah, yeah. kind of pretended nothing was happening and i'm just still delivering a, 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 a presentation so um, you just never know what's going to happen. And like, it's good to prepare, but don't also let it just consume you. And showing that you can roll with the punches is always a positive. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing ever goes perfect. And so if they see that you are able to adapt the situation that's being presented to you, not by your own choice, that's always going to look like a good thing. Um, as long as you're adapting in a positive way. Yeah, I think I ended up say, like saying something like, and now I'm going to holler the rest of this presentation to you for the next 20 minutes. Of course you did. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, any parting thoughts? I don't think so. I mean, the job market is tough. It's kind of a numbers game. You never really know what's going to happen. And you can be as prepared as you want to be and things are still going to go wrong. Um, yeah. So to know that you are the expert at what you are talking about 
and deliver it in a way that really demonstrates your strengths, right? This is your chance to show off in a positive way, not in like a cocky way, but like show off what you can do and what you're made of. Um, And to reiterate something Jose said early on, you are not the only one being interviewed. You are also interviewing them. So get all of your questions that you have out in the open and get answers to them while you are there in person with them. Um, learn some history about the department. Learn what's happening. What's what's the future going to hold or what do they hope it holds and see if their interests line up with yours. And if they do, then when it comes down to the actual job offer, you're probably going to know where you want to end up. And at that point, it's just a matter of trying to figure out if you guys can agree on, you know, the details, um, which we've mm-hmm. talked about negotiation and stuff before. So I think we'll skip talking about that. But yeah, that's really my advice. Remember, you're awesome. Show them what you've got, but be modest about it. Um, and remember that things go wrong, but you can adapt to the situation. Yeah, I- like, you know, Jen mentioned the job market is a total crapshoot. You just don't know what schools are looking for, what they want. If um, Maybe you aren't some, you don't do something that they may particularly be looking for, but you absolutely blow them away that it ends up not even mattering. Um, schools you thought you absolutely were almost a shoe in to hear back from and then you never don't um you just don't know you know you just you just gotta stay liquid just roll with it and come what may you know maybe you end up going to a school that you just aren't sure of and they blow you away you know they're all going to try and sell you on the job but if you're buying what they're selling you know just keep an open mind all right well Jose and I are always open to talking about the job market. Um, Let us know if you have questions, thoughts, extra comments. You know, plenty of you have been on the job market. So you have your own experiences you want to share. We are happy to hear them. Um, But yeah, good luck to everyone. I know it's toward the end of the job market season now, but I know some interviews are still going on. So hopefully this is helpful and helpful for the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Bye, everyone. Bye. The Criminology Academy is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Crim Academy. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Alternatively, let us know what you think of the episode by leaving us a comment on our website, thecriminologyacademy.com. And lastly, share The Crim Academy episodes with your friends and family.